to the Servant Councils Podcast, a place where listeners can learn about the principles of servant leadership and its ideology and its impact on family, organizations, and communities. I'm your host, Joe Gross. This is our very first episode. So today we're going to go over who I am, kind of the educational background, and then my goals for this actual podcast, what I hope that our listeners are able to get, and um, how to challenge not just our listeners, but even myself and our guests on the show. So with that, let's just go ahead and jump in. So I'm Joe Gross. A lot of folks know me around here as Master Sergeant Gross. I worked for the United States Air Force for the last 17 years. Um, With that, my main jobs, if I was to break it in half, is uh, half of it is in education and developing our airmen from airmen to NCOs, NCOs into senior NCOs, as well as the other half in the logistics. So I'm ground transportation by trade. We actually started off as vehicle operations, but we'll get into that. Um, so that's been my career, right? Between logistics and um, education, educating our force, educating our officers as well, um, being able to engage our sister services, being able to engage our allies, the services that exist outside of us, um, outside of the United States. Um, with that, uh, a lot of folks that when we ask, who are you? They'll hit us with the, you know, what's my job, right? Um, So who am I? My main thing about me is that I want to be a servant leader, right? Like I aspire to that. I didn't understand that I did, but uh, I've always had. So this always begins, right, with someone's beginning. Um, I'm blessed to have two parents that stayed together. Um, They showed us as a family, how they served one another. My father working multiple jobs just to, after he was released from the Navy, just to make sure that we just have ends meet. My mother working two, three jobs. So I got to see them serve us and sacrifice for myself and my sister growing up. Um, that kind of led me into understanding, like, if I want to do things, one, I got to work hard. And two, I can't just do it for myself. Um, you end that with high school and then me playing football and track and all the different sports and in the neighborhood. I just got to know a lot of people and trying to help folks out. Um, at the age of 18, I decided to join the United States Air Force. Actually, I went to the recruiter. He only showed me a videotape. In that videotape, it just showed me of a young man that uh, had the car I wanted, the uh, kind of dorm I wanted, and then the lifestyle I wanted, which was working at nine to five, and then on Saturdays hooping, and on Sundays going to school. Of course, anybody who's listening that's in the United States Air Force knows that's not as that is not how it works. Um, but that videotape definitely convinced me to sign in. And obviously, there's some benefits in this because I'm I'm in it for 17 years. I'm close to 20 where I can't actually retire. Um, so with that, you know, I go to my first base, Ellsworth SD. I thought actually thought it was called San Diego. So I was real excited at our technical school when they gave me the orders. And I was like, what? I'm going to go to, you know, Ellsworth, San Diego. You know, the whole class is just dying laughing because they're like, dude, you're not, you're not going to San Diego. You're going to, you're going to South Dakota, right? Never seen snow. Never seen snow at that time. I definitely remember that. So uh, getting over there in November, December time frame, seeing snow for the first time and uh, get into my first job. And this is where I start developing not just this art of servitude, but then wanting to lead. 
Um, so during the time frame, vehicle operations is doing convoy duty. So we're doing that along our armory brethren. Um, and our typical rotation was about a year of a deployment and then about six months of rest. And then we would do it again. So obviously our retainability within the career field wasn't really good. This wasn't just us. This was just vehicle maintenance and some other um, LRS career fields as well as Tom was with us. So there were some career fields that were joining us on these convoys. Um, so I get hit with the deployment, like, Hey, you're going to be leaving. And, uh, I distinctively remember, I should have the picture pulled up on this episode of running down this road, um, where my parents stay. And I distinctly remember asking in my faith, God, you know, I'm about to go into something I've never experienced before. And I want to be the leader. I want to be the hero's hero. I don't know what that looks like, but I just ask that you utilize me and that then maybe I'd be able to glorify you in this. I had no idea what I was asking because uh, that was answered. So when I get over to Texas for us to do our training, um, you know, I didn't know it was like the NBA draft. So what they do is within these five weeks about they actually watch, and I say they, the cadre and then the senior NCOs. The senior NCOs actually arrive two weeks earlier, so they can go and get their training on, you know, whether they're going to be in the operational center or they're going to be leading the convoy as the convoy commanders. But now they're looking at everybody and saying, who do I want on my team? Who do I want to take on this road? And what position they're going to fill. There's a certain position within um, convoys that's called the lead vehicle commander. So this job, you don't volunteer for. Right? Like the cadre and the senior NCOs actually have to select you, and then you can volunteer for. So I was very surprised that towards the end of our training, I was one of those names that they said, "Hey, you can you can do this job. You can do the lead vehicle commander and operator." Because there's only two of us, so we can flip-flop, right? An NCO and and typically an airman. It can be two NCOs, but typically they want an airman and an NCO. So I get selected for this job. And man, you talk about uh, learning leadership on the fly. So my job at this point is to be away from the convoy. And I'm looking for IEDs. I'm looking for the improvised explosive devices all through the road. I'm looking for the ambushes. I'm looking for the type stops. And we're navigating through roads that are pretty extremely dangerous. So a lot of experiences came out of that. But one of the things I can tell you guys is that I learned a lot about what servant leadership was without ever knowing what the the word was, right? So I got to see brothers and sisters older than I or my age from different walks of life, different ethnic groups, um, sacrifice to keep me alive, sacrifice to keep each other alive. Uh, And that inspired me to definitely do the lead vehicle uh, command and operator job as I wanted to make sure that I was able to display that back. So being able to, you know, Communicate like, hey, I'm going to take care of you guys. I'm going to do everything in my power to keep you guys alive, just like you guys are doing everything in your power to keep me alive. Um, That was when I started understanding that leadership was based on relationship. It didn't really matter about your rank. So at this time, I'm an A1C, and um, I had a lot more influence than our master sergeant. Like, I, I couldn't even believe that. So if I said, hey, we're going to go left, 
the team would say, hey, let's go left. Um, Master Sergeant would get upset, uh, rightfully so, because I maybe didn't communicate that uh, correctly. But I definitely learned like, hey, you know, um, if people trust you with their life, then you're the leader. So I get back from that deployment. I didn't know I had any issues. I, in fact, I would even argue at that time I didn't have any issues, but I was having an issue of going to sleep. So I tell this story because I'm about 20 years old um, and I actually have alcohol in my dorm. I'm utilizing the alcohol as a sleeping aid um, just because I can't sleep. And uh, guess what? Right? Leadership finds out. Not my leadership particularly, but my actually commander. So my commander and first sergeant, they do some dorm inspections and they go into Amber Gross's room and what do they find? Alcohol. All right, Amber Gross, you know, in my office right now. So I go in their office. They're trying to make an example out of me. I've been in maybe about two years at this time. The commander says, hey, we're going to release you from the Air Force. You can't obviously follow directions and policies. And then I go into the first sergeant's office and they're like, hey, you know what? You're going to be released from the Air Force. I'm kind of tired of dealing with all these airmen not listening to us and tell us not not to drink. I don't care what your friends are doing in college. Um, so at this time, I'm fed up. And uh, the shirt says, hey, do you have anything to say for yourself? And I was like, no, just let me know when my date is and I'll make sure my bags are packed up and I'll help them the Apollo and drive back to Florida. So once I was done saying that, uh, my tech sergeant, one of my leaders from the shop, asked me to step out of the room. And then he continued to have a discussion with the shirt, which I am sure had something to say of make sure you don't speak to my airmen in this way. And that, um, and that respect him like, hey, like this is one of our best airmen. Obviously, he's in this position, but correct yourself in this moment. And I say that because when I walk back into the room, guess guess what happens? Dude's changed his voice, right? Like, hey, you know, I apologize. I don't understand everything that you guys go through. You know, I'm I'm a defender, but there's another way that I went through what you've went through. Um, so let's reengage. So I go through the entire dis- discipline process. I am uh, blessed to not get my strike pool, but withheld. I had to go through ADAP where I'm setting up all these things. Uh, I apologize in front of the commander. So, of course, the commander says, hey, do you have anything you want to say to me? So I say, you know, I apologize. Not really um, wanting to, per se, right? I'm just doing this as, you know, protocol. But I do want to apologize to my leaders, right? I want to apologize to that tech sergeant that just uh, had my back. I want to apologize to all the master sergeants in the shop. So as soon as we get back to the shop, as soon as we get back to the shop, all leadership is out at the smoke pit. Oh, I'll always remember this. So all of them are out in the smoke pit. And I'm like, all right, hey, dude, it's time to man up. Like, uh, you need to take accountability of what you've done. You've put an embarrassment on them, um, on these men who've uh, obviously have done more than you have and haven't got themselves in trouble. So I go up to the smoke pit and I was like, hey, sirs, I just want to start off by saying I apologize for my actions. Um, I should have never drank to go to sleep. Um, and I'm sorry that I embarrassed you guys. And their response surprised me even to this day, as I think back to it, their response was, we apologize, Joe. I said, huh? <laughs> you mean you apologize to me? They're like, yeah, we know the issues of us coming home doing these deployments back to back. And out of everybody on that team, you were our least concerned. 
Like we knew like, hey, he's going to be able to handle himself. Joe knows how to ask for help if he needs it. And if he doesn't, he's got it. Um, And if we had done our job as your leaders and really asked you and checked your dorm and had these conversations, then you possibly wouldn't be in this situation. Uh, And whether these gentlemen know this or not, that conversation changed my whole perception and sent me on this trajectory where I wanted to do what they did for me, right? Um, Being able to be the leader that changes people's paradigms from, hey, you know, I think I'm a leader to like, no, I'm a leader. Like, I'm going to put my name on you. I'm going to give you a second chance. If I fail, I'm going to be transparent with you. Um, Those gentlemen have no idea, I think, to this day, the impact that they have. I mean, obviously, right? And we're talking about servants council here on the podcast. get through that situation i go to um south korea where the land and the water is made out of liquor right so hey you had a drinking issue before and then let's see what happens here um and i finally become an nco a couple years later in ground transportation i have this serious love for our airmen trying to make sure they're getting taken care of that they don't run into the same situations that myself and my peers have ran into with you know just alcohol suicides and things like that and I become an NCO, right? I get I get stationed over in North Carolina, and from there I get selected under the development special duty as a PME instructor. I originally did not want to go. I, I shout outs to uh, at the time uh, Master Sergeant Brown, I believe he's Chief Brown now, um, who said, "Hey man, you have this potential." You got this potential to develop people. You got this potential to teach. I've been watching you and how you're engaging our operators here at Seymour, and it would be a, it would be a uh, uh, not uh, it would be a disservice to our organization if you don't do this. So I do the job, uh, and as I'm doing it, and as I'm learning, not just how to develop people, but almost ultimately learning how to develop myself. Again, this servant leadership. Couldn't put my finger on it, but I'm learning. I'm learning leadership, and it's amazing what happens in the classroom when you have your rules of engagement set. You have your lesson plans, but you're really focusing on the individual needs of each student. It changes the entire dynamics of the learning atmosphere, right? Because I'm not just teaching. Uh, E3s for my for my military folks out there or for my civilian folks that are listening, um, you know, 24, 23, 22 year olds. I had 40 year olds in my classroom, right? I got air guard in there. We've got post guard in there. So I've had individuals that were older than I. So how can this guy who's about 24, 25 teach them? 
And that ability came in when I focused on their needs. And we'll talk about more of that on servant leadership, but it changed the dynamics. It changed the dynamics of how people were teaching. It changed the dynamics of how my team was teaching over at Seymour Johnson. And then, of course, as I'm learning that in the classroom, um, I'm trying to do that with my staff. So shout out to the PME team from Seymour Johnson. Man, like I would not be the man I am today without folks like Sandy, uh, Kimberly, Amanda, Drew, and of course, Big Bone Stone, aka T Stoner. And I shout out to that team, man. We still keep in contact to this day. Um, so I wouldn't be where I'm at without those individuals, and to include the, uh, the other folks previously, right? Because we had two different uh, rotations that came in. So even my folks previously, right, they challenged me to be better as a, as a communicator and as an individual. But that's where I started learning not just how to develop, but how to develop it with myself and with the team. So you fast forward, now I'm senior at CO, I'm at Kadena Air Force Base, and I get selected as the development advisor for the wing. And this is where things get interesting because now I'm taking GME. So I'm taking that education. I'm getting myself my own personal education, right, through um, University of Mount Olive and then Regent University. And then I'm taking my experience and I'm developing courses to fill in the gap for our enlisted force development. So this is probably one of the best jobs in the United States Air Force for those individuals that are into that. Because now I get to figure out what it is that servant leadership is. And particularly today as I'm shooting this or we're listening to this, right, the 6th of March, the Air Force is really pushing for servant leadership, but it hasn't defined it, right? But all those 17 years, plus the academic education, finally been able to put a word to what I'm aspiring to. So I Tell this very short narrative to describe that my character is as aspiration is a servant leader. I want to focus on my people. I want to be able to get at their needs first before I get to the organization needs. In fact, I'm able, if I'm able to do this correctly, when I take care of somebody's needs, then I can connect them to the organization's values, right? The organization will benefit from that, but we'll get to that later. So part of this growing period for me is also education. Like, who's this guy, right? Is he just going to give me nothing but uh, all this information on his experience? Is this just going to be kind of a military, another one of those another military podcasts? Absolutely not. Uh, my goal is to mix and mix and match, right? And I don't, I don't want us to just talk about military or Air Force experience. I really want to look at the academic side of servant leadership, but just real quick, right? So educational background, um, graduated high school in 2006, 2008, go through a whole bunch of certifications for combat. Um, 2011, I graduate from Airman Leadership School in Alaska, ended up walking away with the Commandant Award or what's known as the Leadership Award. It's not the highest award, but it's the highest award for leadership. In other words, without academics, this individual shows the highest levels of leadership. Um, in 2012, I earned my um, my associates uh, in business management from Central Texas College. And in 2013, right behind it, the community uh, 
the associates and uh, from Community College of the Air Force in transportation logistics. 2015. So 2014, I'm actually selected to be a PME instructor a year later in 2015. I end up earning my um, CCAF or my Community College of the Air Force Associate's Degree and in Instructor of Technology and Military History. Along with that degree, when you get a certain amount of hours, um, you're actually able to earn your instructor certification. So I ended up in are earning both my certification level one and certification level two by 2016. 2017, I actually got to hang out with the Dale Carnegie team in North Carolina. That was an amazing experience, amazing eight weeks of learning on leadership and um, earned my uh, skills for success from Dale Carnegie's uh, certification. 2018, I got my CompTIA certified technical trainer um, certification. And then uh, 2018, when I got here to Kadena, got my master residency trainer. And then 2020, finally earned a bachelor's degree, which felt like it took forever in business administration with a um, focus on business management from University of Mount Olive. 2022, whoop, whoop, last year, master's degree in organizational leadership with a focus on servant leadership from Regent University. I also ended up um, earning uh, two coaching certifications, the mentor coaching cert and the advanced coaching cert from Two Roads Leadership from uh, Dr. Flatter Incorporated. Shout out to the Two two Roads Leadership team. And then, of course, uh, also last year ended up earning my five voices and transforming team communication instructor certification from Giant Incorporated. So I say all this, right, not to like, wow, like this person has a lot of education, but to state that anything that we discuss and things like that one, I want to keep it 100, right? In a, in a world that seems to have a lot of information and noise and, and for us to really try to figure out how to filter this information and noise, I want us that if anybody's listening, it's going to be 100. This ain't going to be just my opinion. This ain't going to be the opinion of the organization, right? In fact, majority of this won't be the opinion of the organization, but um, really just coming from an academic level of wisdom. And then, hey, how do we apply this? That's that's what I'm really looking at. So this gets us to the last segment of today's podcast, which is what's my goal for this podcast? Um, you guys caught it earlier. Um, my focus is making sure that we are aware of what servant leadership is. Everyone has their own definition when they hear words servant and leadership. Well, I want to pinpoint it. I want to make sure that listeners are extremely aware of what it is, what it takes to be a servant leader. It doesn't matter what your faith background might be or where you're at academically, right? Um, What is it, right? So we'll look at the 10 domains of a servant leader, right? We'll look at the seven virtues. We'll look at the three different ways of developing it, right? That's my goal. My goal is each season to, first season is what is servant leadership? Second season is to look at the biblical servant leader, right? Because I am a faith of a Christian. I I call myself a disciple of Yeshua, or as folks know that Yeshua's name in Hebrew, which means Jesus, right? So what does that look like? But also not to just focus on that faith group, but how this ideology would even benefit those who are Buddhist or Taoist or Hindu or Islamic or Jewish 
or atheist or agnostic or new age or animist. Read a lot of books. So servant leadership applies in all these levels of leadership. Um, and that's what that's what I really want to make sure. And then what's the application of it? What's the what can we expect if I do this in my family, if I do this for my wife, if I do this for my kids, right? What happens in my organization? What happens when I go to work as a senior NCO and I apply this? Or, you know, I've retired. So now I have my own company or I work for a company. I work for Amazon, Google, and I'm applying this ideology. Uh, what happens to my community? When I when I have a paradigm, when I view people based upon how can I help them meet their needs, no matter what their values are, no matter what their walk of life is, no matter uh, their different values set, how does this impact them? So that's what I'm going to be really looking at on this podcast, right, is, is growing this knowledge. First of all, encouraging, right? Uh, I want to encourage our listeners because it's going to be kind of tough. Like, right, really, I got to do a lot of self-reflection. A lot of times when I have discussions with people, they're like, man, you're asking me questions that no one's ever asked me before, which is really self-reflecting and really getting at what I want. I've been focusing on what my family wants or what my organization wants or what my community's been asking. No one's ever asked me what I wanted, right? So we're going to be really looking at Hey, how do we apply this and encourage folks? That'll lead us to educating, right? Now that I found value in this, all right, now how do I get this information? Who is, you know, uh, Joe talking to today on what domain or what virtue and what's their expertise and how can I get more information? And then empowerment. Now that you have been encouraged, now that you have the education, the difference between knowledge is I have it and wisdom is me applying it. Right. So how do can we be empowered to go ahead and start? that? So with that, in closing today, what, what you guys are going to see within next month is we're going to go on the next episode of actually defining what servant leadership is. Uh, We'll look at how some of the different faiths define servant leadership as well as academic world. And we'll go over briefly those 10 domains that you guys hear me speak on. We'll talk about the seven virtues. We'll even talk about a little bit about how to develop it and then how these episodes on servant leadership will continue. So until then, I thank you guys for listening in. I hope you guys got a little bit of information of who I am as we go through these episodes. You guys will learn not just about me, but about the fine folks that will be on this podcast. So until next time, uh, stay blessed, stay safe, and take it easy. Peace.
Thank you.